Hello, everyone. This is Georgiana, a new episode of Employer Branding, the Inside Podcast. Today, I'm talking to someone who's really, really special. All of my guests, guests are special, of course, but this one is special in particular because I think she has a ton of experience working with people, so I'm sure she will be sharing a lot of useful, important insights today. Her name is Roxana Dobrescu, and she works as Chief People Officer at Labster in Valencia, Spain. Welcome, Roxana. Thank you so much for accepting the invitation. Please tell me a little bit about what the company you work for does and share with us your background, because I know you worked a lot with people. So, like I said, hi, Georgiana. Thank you so much for the invite. I am blushing, obviously. Um Like I, I, because I am in this amazing learning curve as we speak right now, and I truly believe I'm still. I hope I'm still at the beginning. Um, let me let me share a bit about uh, who I am, so that you know uh, where to take me from. <laughs> I am uh, born and raised in Romania. I um, I had the opportunity to work with amazing international companies like Xerox or Molson Coors or Avon, where. Basically, I, I've learned the, my my school in HR. I, I, I would be able to say it was definitely there, uh, and a special prize in uh, uh, in in my heart has even. Okay. Moving forward, a couple of good years ago, uh, my dear mentor told me that, "Hey, do you want to be you know that sort of global HR professional that we are discussing here, and I'm preparing you for then." Guess what? You need to make that leap of faith and just move on, mm-hmm. and and understand what diversity means. Understand, uh, you know, like how amazing the global mindset and the global spirit is, and you will be able to do that only when you are, you know, like pushing your comfort limits. So, I did that. I I lived a couple of years in Mauritius, where I worked for Aspen, an, an amazing pharma company, and after that, I moved. To Spain, to Barcelona, where I, I work for Globo, and here I am, uh, one year and one month already, I'm moving to Valencia, where I set up a tech hub for Lapser, uh, the company where I'm having a blast right now, uh, working and and leading the people agenda for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lapser is um, is a special company. It's a special company because it has a special mission. So we are. Waking up every day and putting our best out there in order to make sure that we first democratize uh, education for mm-hmm. students and people uh, all across the globe that might not necessarily have the right tools or access to education. And second, we do this in order to empower the next generation of scientists. So our mission is clear. We are building um, Uh, virtual laboratories, um, more than 200 STEM curriculum aligned laboratories in biology, biochemistry, genetics, biotechnology, chemistry, physics, and, and way more in order to make sure that our st- current students uh, will become the next generation of scientists that will actually solve the main problems that we're facing today. Got it. And I, I think I saw that you received a lot of investment this year. Am I correct? Like 47 million, Which, or was it last year? No, it's like it's uh, this month actually. We just closed another another round, uh, C plus of 47 million. Yes, and we are very happy because this will 
you know, give us even more boost in us um, spreading globally and scaling our, our journey and making sure that um, we are one step closer to our mission. Got it, got it. And I'm, I'm really curious, Roxana, I ask this question to, to many of my guests because it's, it's one of those concepts that's become fashionable, unfortunately, and that not all companies really take seriously. I will dedicate a few episodes to, to this one in, in particular in the months to come. And that is diversity and inclusion. And I'm, I'm really curious. You mentioned it as part of your personal journey, right? Meeting mm -hmm. diversity and working with it and within it. And I'm wondering, how does Labster see it? And how important is it for, for your company in strengthening the culture? Uh, I think it's key. Um, and we look at it as a must-have in our strategic uh, roadmap. At the same time, um, it's important to acknowledge the fact that Uh, you know, like in my experience, going like and and Lapser, you know, like it's it's the third scale up where I'm working uh, for, mm -hmm. and it, you need to have the base, the correct base uh, built in first. And and by base, I'm meaning you need to have first the proper leadership philosophy in mind. You need to have the framework in your people practices so that you can welcome and and build forward your diversity and your inclusion practices. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's and it's it's so interesting because we were just having a discussion in in the people team around it and we have an offsite uh, schedule next like in in early May where this is diversity and inclusion is going to have a special uh, topic obviously um, it's you know like we are having right now uh, our lobsters as we call them uh, in three different continents and when you look at the You know, like diversity in terms of uh, cultural sensitiveness, and you look at the religion and gender and ethnicity, and uh, you know, like the family categories. It's it's absolutely amazing to be able to map and work and and customize our people pro pro processes and practices so they make sense for all the multiple categories that we have within. That being said it's easier to speak about it versus to actually implement it. So what we, we are doing right now, we are starting to work on, uh, obviously we started with compensation, uh, making sure that from a gender perspective, the gender gap, it's, it's something that we can you know, see and work to correct it. And uh, I, I'm really happy because we just uh, shared the first uh, comp and gender data with our, with our teams. Uh, moving forward, we are really focusing on ERGs, so making sure that we are um, welcoming and supporting and bringing awareness into how to build employee resource groups. Because in this scale-up journey, while we are improving continuously our people practices, we want to make sure that we are continuously taking feedback from our internal clients. That's why we do need ERGs. We need, you know, like we need to understand micro communities, you know, like that are forming part of Lobster, how and what they are expecting, so that we we understand how to customize better um, our processes on their needs. So this is where we are really focusing in the, this year to make sure that uh, the awareness is is fully built and we have the proper tools in our talent acquisition. Um, which was already the uh, the part of last year uh, people roadmap, and this year we are really focusing on on building ERGs. Mm 
By the way, the last year, speaking of diversity and inclusion, it was a really cool project that I, I loved a lot last year. It was around the fact that we are uh, recruiting with culture ad, right? So we are trying to make sure that the beer test, it's like recruiting people that you would go out with yeah. for a beer, is definitely not something that we we embed and we are fan of because we welcome uh, a multiple diversity of people with, with you know various backgrounds and values that would complement what we have right now. And it was an in- interesting exercise to go through also with, with with our talent acquisition team to really distill, okay, like, but what culture ad means? What sort of scorecards can we put in place so that we capture that culture ad? What sort of questions the hiring managers should ask themselves in order to understand, hey, am I, you know, like, am I fully conscious of my biases here? Do I know exactly that, you know, that this, this hiring decision that I'm taking is in favor of raising the bar in the team and making sure that, like you know, the, the diversity and the full inclusion is kicking in here. Um, so yeah, we are at the beginning of the roadmap, um, trying to listen to our people and and try to understand that we cannot do this by ourselves. It's like it's not a top down exercise. No. Uh, it's equally a bottom up, trying all together to work for the same objective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm curious about leadership involvement and in shaping company culture, would you say it it matters to a super high degree? And then as a as a leader yourself, how involved are you personally in getting to know the people and to understand them closely? Leadership philosophy, it's it's backbone. No, yeah, absolutely. Um and and again, <laughs> it's it's funny that you are touching on this topic because it, uh, I'm, it, it's another project that we're, it's very keen and close to my heart and we are working on it right now. Um, just because if you look at the lobster's journey, you can see different chapters, right? Like in, in our scaling uh, adventure. And for each chapter, we need specific and very different, I would say, leadership capabilities and leadership philosophies. And we realized last year that we are this, border right now where we need to take a step back and and really ask ourselves is it still making sense it's like the next generation of uh lobsters how the roadmap the next three years strategy how are we going to put it in place with the current leadership capabilities so we did that exercise and now we have a new um a new project mapped out we have new uh I would say upgraded leadership capabilities that we are you know, like right now building from within and, and sharing it with everyone. But how leaders are behaving, that's the mirror of the organization. How um, you are setting the tone, how you listen, how you um, react when someone fails, that's, that's an intrinsic part of the culture. So uh, what I, I would add is that Funny enough, in the startup world, leadership is always, or in most of the cases, not a priority, mm-hmm. right? Because you you have a lot of adrenaline, you have a lot of um, goals that you need to hit. Um, you might be successful or not. You might grow your uh, roadmap or not from year to year. So it's not something that you, it's it's clearly mapped out um, 
for the next years. So we find ourselves chasing the results, uh, working on our OKRs, and not necessarily and, and promoting from within, right? Leaders that are really young, and you never have the time to take the leaders for one week program or you know to pr- put a, a specific coaching support or program in there, and um, that's why you end up in you know like mature scale ups, I would say, w- wondering, huh? Okay, how do we do this? How we how do we turn around from a leadership capability perspective? so that uh, we actually can inspire and empower our, our workforce. I think we had this exercise two, two or three years ago when we really tried to understand, all right, what, will, what got us here? It will not support us to move forward. What can we do in order to move ahead? And it was clear that it was around the leadership philosophy and about the sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, back to your uh, second question around how close I am with with um, with uh, the team, I'm trying to be extremely close. Um, first, we, I, we are lucky because we have amazing people that care a lot. We are quite a green company. It's like caring is part of you know, like of how we do things, but mm-hmm. also we are having this great people partnering model, which means that every team has their own people partner to support and nurture and care and and develop. That being said, that it's never enough, right? Because we have people in 47 countries and four different main time zones. So how do you, just like to give you an example. I woke up and I'm discussing with my, our colleagues in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually in the, in the mid of the day, I'm discussing with our colleagues in Europe. And I end up the day, you know, like when US is waking up and, you know, like trying to come up and catch up with, with, with our colleagues uh, from, from, from uh, the other continent. So <coughs> is it an easy task? No, I don't think so. Um, how I'm trying to approach it is by being extremely authentic in all, all the platforms and channels and any time when you know, like I have the opportunity to present what we're doing so that people can start bonding and can see that, hey, we are here for you. And basically, if you're successful means we are successful and you should definitely use us um, uh, as a coach, as a tool, uh, as a channel to make sure that your voice is being heard. You know, Roxana, you sort of answered my next question, but I'm still curious to know how you guys work. Is it remotely? Is it hybrid? You meet part of the team at the office? How does it happen? So it changed so much in the last three years. It's, It's unbelievable. We have offices in um, in Switzerland, in in Denmark, in Boston, in Canada, now in uh, Spain, and in UK too. Uh, it's it's coming, and in Bali. Wow! Uh, yeah, yeah, like absolutely. <laughs> and uh, it's very interesting because when when I'm looking at our work style. Um, it's 80%, uh, 85% remote, fully remote. So there are very few colleagues that are checking into the office from time to time. Um, not to mention that uh, we have 
like around 40% of, of our colleagues that are not even um, located where we have offices. So we have country, uh, colleagues in Pakistan or in Philippines or, where, or in Ukraine where you will not, we, we don't have a physical office. So 85% of our workforce is, uh, is highly remote. That being said, we are right now in this, you know, internal debate around, hey, is it working for us? Do we want to continue um, this highly remote style? Do we want to become a bit more hybrid? Because obviously we kept our offices open and we understand that not everyone is a super keen fan of working from home. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can see that, for example, in Boston or, or in Copenhagen, people are starting to come back to the office more and more often. And we, you know, we reintroduce some office benefits and perks and starting to have some office events, which is finally and it's great. So I'm seeing already a trend that is coming from our people. What, what we, we have at the you like very much ingrained in our values is flexibility. And flexibility is also part of uh, how we work, right? With the holocratic mindset. Uh, and that's why we are not pushing people to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are trying to make our offices as fun and collaborative as possible so that they want to come back. Um, yeah, this, this di- dilemma will continue in the next couple of uh, weeks until we will realize uh, how much do we um, need to support uh, an even farther hybrid work style. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, the, the two following questions I have are sort of connected to one another. And um, the first one sounds like this. What does the working environment look like in the company? Because you said you're a very people-driven culture, however you work remotely. So I'm curious... What is it like to, how do you preserve and how do you create the working environment that's vibrant when you work from home? And then how is the leadership and the management style reflective of the company culture? So employing, um, sorry, um, leadership management style on the one hand and then working environment. How do they work? Um, I think it, it's very much linked with uh, with holocracy, right? Because holocracy is the is the, the, has a cultural footprint on how we work, and basically holocracy is um, allowing us to um, work with a lot of autonomy and a lot of empowerment. What what that means basically? It means that the roles are very clear for each and every one of us, and not and also the accountability and the decision making power. Um, that being said, I know, for example, I know exactly what are my accountabilities and what where I can decide and where I need my um, uh, my leaders, my, my our CEOs uh, buy-in or decision-making point. And this is happening for literally everyone in the team. Um, this high level of uh, autonomy, I think it's extremely needed, having in mind that it's connected with... Um, with our mission. We want to bring this autonomy and we want to empower all our students to make sure that they have the proper tools and know-how to be able uh, to change their life and to change the world. So we are trying to walk the talk when it comes to our culture and our internal processes, making sure that our people feel that there is no red tape. Uh, 
there is you know, like we are really trying to make sure that transparency is as high as possible. And how mm-hmm. we do that? Well, we are trying to communicate a lot. So internal communication, it's, it's, it's something extremely important for us. We have, obviously, we have the monthly all hands. We uh, leverage Slack a lot, I would say. So probably we use around 80% Slack as our internal communication um, channel. Uh, we are using a lot, uh, you know, like asynchronous communication. We are trying. We are having a clear OKR process in which everyone knows their goals and how my goal are very much linked with the company's goal for this quarter, for this year, for the next years. Um, it's. I think it's. It's a constant effort, uh, and so far it worked because our leaders are really ingrained and they are. They really care. At the same time, it's important to acknowledge the fact that uh, last year, you know, like we had so many different COVID <laughs> one, two, three um, <laughs> coming into play, and it was it was challenging for us because they came like when we had the Delta or, or the Omicron, they came into a place in different timings, like in Europe, in Indonesia, in in US. So it was not like, okay, like now we are done with Delta, let's move on. No, 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 because now Delta mm-hmm. came into Indonesia and it had ripple effect in, in everything that we did. Um, but we did decide that uh, even though we are highly remote, it's important for us to have physical connection. So at least once per quarter, we are extremely intentional in meeting. Mm-hmm. We have work workshops, we have summits, we have trainings, we have brainstormings. Like uh, every squad, every team has their own, you know, like um, internal events that they are organizing. Uh, for example, we had we just have the revenue kickoff where you know, like all the colleagues from sales, marketing, customer success, uh, Europe and US went together and had an amazing event. We are organizing Tech Summit right now in, in May uh, in Valencia. We are having the people offsite that's happening also in May. So like we are really trying to make sure that at least once per quarter, we bond and we have the time to like share best practices and have fun together, uh, build on our trust, which, to, you know, it, it's quite difficult to foster when you are um, thousands of kilometers mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. Indeed. But it's obviously working. I mean, I think if you really want to make it work, you find a way, right? As with uh, everything. I, I think so. Absolutely. What I, I see as well is that the workforce trends are changing literally from one quarter to another. Um, and, and as an HR professional, is it's challenging to say the least to be able to support uh, an organization and a culture through a pandemic and, you know, unfortunately through a war right now. And you reflect wondering, okay, like what's next? How can I prepare my workforce? How can I make sure that my organization will thrive? Literally not knowing what will uh, we will have to face as the next chapter. So I think that, you know, we need to build this resilience and this sense of belonging in order for us to be able to survive and succeed. And we can do that uh, by having a lot of flexibility, but by also building a lot of trust in the team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
do something. Now, Roxana, I'm wondering, this is more of an employer brand question. I'm wondering, what would you say is the best channel, the social channel, for building, building or strengthening an employer brand? Because you're a big organization. I think it also depends on the industry where you are um, working. Uh, for us, for example, we are we are hiring a lot of engineers and we are we are hiring a lot of scientists. Mm-hmm. And we figured out quickly that, for example, Facebook or Instagram are not working, or are not as catchy or attractive, are not giving us that extra boost when it comes to employer yeah. branding. Mm-hmm. For us, LinkedIn is working quite well um, and is 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 highly supporting in this adventure of. Uh, building our brand awareness and building our, um, like, um, communicating our EVP. Um, I think we are, you know, at this point in time, we are putting all our resources into building LinkedIn as our main uh, social media channel. But I did work in other industries with other startups where Instagram had a lot, a lot of... Uh, acceleration, a lot of appetite, and helped a lot contributing to the to the employer branding piece. So I think it's important where, like, to like really be mindful on on your target. Um, it's it's really in- interesting because you know, like, reflecting on uh, and we are working in ed tech, right? And education, although it's it's supposed to be one of the most innovative industries out there guess what it's one of the most traditional ones so and and that's why we are disrupting right now that's why we are you know playing the role of an incubator trying to bring a lot of innovation like exactly like a flight simulation simulator right like our laboratories are are more or less playing this role and uh, we can see that you know like uh, our teachers, our educators are not necessarily using the common social media platforms. At the same time, uh, as I was telling you, like the, the scientists that we are, we, we need in order to build high level quality uh, content might not be necessarily on the, on the social media, on the commonly uh, used social media platforms. But mm-hmm. where we, we found our marketplaces, it's, it's definitely LinkedIn. Got it. Got it. Um, I'm wondering, what's the key secret to being such a good people officer? Is there one? Well, uh, I'm not sure how good am I to be able to give you the some secrets. Yeah, yeah. Some some tips at least. (laughs) Oof. um, Well. I'm I'm subjective, right? I'm subject. I'm I'm definitely biased, and I will tell you what what is working for me in the last twelve months, right? Yes, please. Uh, and I'm I'm so blessed to have an amazing partnership with Michael, our CEO. And uh, there is that sort of partnership where I I like every week when we are having our discussions. I'm even though I'm going with hard topics in there. I'm coming back lightly and I'm almost flying because Michael is, is that kind of, of leader who inspires a lot and who cares a lot. Nice. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely this is not necessarily a secret, but uh, it's, it's key. It's essential. Uh, the second piece I would say, it's, 
well, don't take things personally <laughs> because <laughs> it can get lonely, right? Uh, in, in this sort of roles and you will never be able to please everyone because everyone has different expectations and, you know, can filter things and messages from a different perspective. So the most important thing is that you you keep yourself humble, you you listen a lot, you are trying your best, you customize the practices, but don't uh, take things to heart because um, then <laughs> you are going in a very different uh, and not necessarily nice path. And that's easier, again, like diversity and inclusion, that's easier to say than to do. Yes, I, I have to confirm it's difficult in all areas, whatever you do, whatever the role, if you're an entrepreneur, if you work in an organization, not taking things personally, it's one of the hardest things you ever have to do. I totally agree. <laughs> um, now that we are reaching the end of this discussion that I really, really enjoyed, please share with us, Roxana, one thing that's helped you in your career so far. It can be a professional resource or, I don't know, a discussion group, book, blog, whatever. Oh, I have so many things, so many things and so many people. When, when I'm looking back, it's all around the people. And that's why I think it's so important for us, even more important for us as not only leaders, but, but HR and people practitioners to give back. Uh, all the time, like nonstop, like to, to make sure that we are aware and humble enough so that we can contribute to our community. And yeah, like I have a lot of people to, that I treasure and that help me so much. Um, I, I would definitely mention uh, someone that um, had most probably the biggest impact in my career. And it's my, uh, it's the CEO of, uh, Avon that I work with, Razvan Diratian, um, who is now MD for Avon uh, APAC, and who gave me the chance. And that was the most probably one of the, the major lessons uh, that I'm really trying to be mindful of. You know, when you hear leaders that are oh, like, no, he's too young or she's too young. No, not now. Like the risk for the business would be too high if we would, you know, give him or her this chance. And and Razvan, he managed to solve something in me. And although I was you know, like, at that point, I was 27 or 28 years old, uh, without any previous HR management experience, he said, like, I think you can do it, take it. And not only that, he gave me the full mandate, not, on, not only the role, he gave me the mandate and he had my back and, and I will be forever grateful for taking the risk yeah <laughs> thank you so much for this lovely discussion i learned a lot from you just as i assumed before we started i wish you all the best oksana i think you have a lot to share and a lot to build mm -hmm. in the organization here and once again thank you for accepting to talk to us grateful for the for the discussion again thank you so much for the invite thank you this was Employer Branding, the Inside Podcast. You can find our podcasts on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and content on employer branding-related themes on employerbranding.tech. Until the next time, stay tuned. Bye!